Aloha! Welcome to Weaving Voices, Connecting Community Through Hawaii Life Stories, a podcast series in partnership with the Center for Oral History at the University of Hawaii Manoa, the Hawaii Council for the Humanities, and Hawaii Public Radio that features excerpts from the archive of over 800 interviews of Hawaii women and men at the UH Manoa Center for Oral History in the Department of Ethnic Studies, College of Social Sciences. Robert Rath Sr., better known to most as Bobby Rath, was born in 1915 in Honolulu, where his father, James Arthur Rath, was the first director of Palama Settlement. His mother, Rania Helsher Rath, who lived to the age of 102, taught Sunday school and English to immigrants at Palama. Bobby Rath lived at the settlement until he was 15 and later graduated from Punahou and UH. He also served as president of the Board of Trustees of Palama Settlement and was an executive at the Union Oil Company. But when this interview was done in the late 1990s, his focus was on growing up at the settlement, and that included the ethnic mix that evolved there. Initially, there were a lot of Hawaiian, Potawaiian, Chinese. A lot of our athletic teams were Chinese. A little later, the Japanese started coming in off the plantations. By the time I was 10, 11, 12, early teens, I'd say at least 40% of them were Japanese and working in town. And naturally, they gravitated to the cheap rent area, waiting to work their way out of it. I sure don't ever remember asking my mother, what'll I do? I have nothing to do. Because all I had to do was walk out of the house, and there were all kinds of kids my age. We had a game room with ping pong, billiards. Other activities, a swimming pool, certain hours we could use it, the gymnasium, all of this supervised. And the playground with swings, slides. They, of course, recognized I was so-called boss's son. But, you know, I was in the sun so much I was dark and they couldn't tell my pigeon English from theirs. Uh, I'd get into fights like anybody else and get into groups as part of the Nishikiya gang, for instance. And uh, I was just one of the, one of the kids. Uh, and when we went to play, say, at Ala Park teams and so on, off Fern Park in Kalihi, none of them knew I was a Haole. I think they thought I was probably Portuguese Hawaiian. When you get into competitive things, none of that matters anymore. My father would bring in directors, athletic directors and all, from Springfield, which is almost like a coaching college. They would organize groups and get into city leagues and all. Gave them a lot of pride to be able to compete at that level. And then every other youngster was working to get on that senior team. One of the other things that grew out of this settlement house concept was how important it was to try to get parents or kids out of their particular environment sometime during the year. So early on, say 1911 or so, uh, they started taking families out to Kaipapau or different places and putting up tents and in effect camping for a week with the kids and the parents and all just to get removed them from that area and 
uh, teach them more about hygiene and so on. You have to remember that one of the objectives of a settlement house, and certainly Palama Settlement, was to teach them, you might say, social skills, amenities, getting along and working with people, with the idea you work your way out of what is a slum area, which we were, let's face it. And the whole idea is to teach them to graduate out of the slums. And as a result, very few, maybe one family, that I grew up with is still in that area. They worked their way out of it. Working their way out of it, certainly a theme for a lot of folks who shared that experience at Palama Settlement, and that includes Moses Moki Kealoha. Moki was born in Honolulu in 1928 and spent much of his youth at Palama Settlement. After graduating from Farrington High, he went on to UH, the University of Miami, and Columbia University before coming back to Honolulu for a career as an auto sales executive at Servco. He talked about how when he was growing up, the settlement was a second home. Ever since I could remember, you know, I don't know whether we spent more time at Palama or more time at home. Uh, I think we spent more hours at Palama. You know, you just went home to eat and went home to sleep. You know, the rest of your waking hours was at Palama. Most of us took shower, took a bath at Palama. You didn't take a shower at home because, you know, you go in a tub, you go in a tarai. You know, get the pot, pour water over your head, rub the soap, then get out of that, pour some more water, and then get the outside of the house, get the hose. Whereas if we went to Palama, you had a cold shower. See? So most of the people went to Palama to take a bath. Did they have any kind of meal program? No more. No more. Didn't have. No. You just get together, you're going to rob a store, you're going to steal something from the store, or you're going to do what we call eat and run. It's not the kind where, you know, we're going to stick them up. See, the old days, almost every store, they get the, the bin right alongside the sidewalk. This one get onion, this one get what we call Irish potato, you know, kind. So you walk by, you take one, and we make fire, we throw them on the fire. You guys ever got caught? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We get what Good for us, we get caught. You know, so they, uh, they suspend us from the settlement. Uh, the police come down, they investigate, they give us a break, you know. But uh, you get good scolded. I'd rather get licked. I'd rather go home and my parents give me licked than me getting suspended because I get nowhere to go. So that means you couldn't even come onto the grounds? You cannot. You cannot go in the gym. Uh, you go sit by the sidewalk and watch everybody going in and out, and you say, Nelson, can I play? Stay there. Or you hanging around outside the swimming pool, I like swim, stay there. You, know, you cannot, you, oh, I tell you, boy, everybody hurt. I mean, hurt. Mm. And you, uh, you cannot attend the club meetings. In the evening, you have club meetings, huh? And you have storytelling, the share and tell. Those kind of every night something's going on in Palama, and you cannot attend. Ha! Huh. Boy, you straighten up fast. So who enforced that? Any one of the councilors, when uh, Mr. and Mrs. Rath were still active, they used to live on the settlement grounds, you know. Bobby Rath's parents. They had so many things going. That, that Rath, Mr. and Mrs. Rath, they're so funny too. Nice people. She used to bake cookies, huh? on certain days, you know, for the staff. 
But she made mistake that way. You know, she, she don't know about the wind and the birds and the bees. I think she used to put them outside by the window of their place to cool off. <laughs> that smell traveled all the way down to the swimming pool of gymnasium. That <laughs> all gone. Oh God! <laughs> that youthful enthusiasm clearly lingered in his memories. Some of that enthusiasm lingered for Don Snyder, especially when it came to sports. He was born in Honolulu during the war in 1943. He was raised by his single mom, who worked at the pineapple cannery and taught swimming at the Waikiki Natatorium. Financially, this family was stretched and struggling, living at the Mayor Wright Public Housing Project. What was it like growing up in Mayor Wright? You know, it was a challenge. We were on welfare and everything at the time. And growing up there, I, I met a lot of different people, you know, with people who were, um, you know, gangsters in that area, uh, some prostitution going on. We had a lot of things like that going on, you know, shooting. But... Um, what really helped us was uh, athletics, and you know, I had a lot of my friends there, you know, and they were in athletics, so, you know, Palama Settlement is, was our saving grace, so we, we had a place of refuge, we would go there and, you know, to get away from, you know, the other elements, and was able to uh, participate in swimming, you know, and, and met some nice people, you know, like Mamizuka. Did. Mamizuka checked check on your grades or anything like that? Yes, he did. He kept on saying, Don, you know, you have the ability to go to school, you know, and I said, well, I, you know, I always thought I wasn't smart enough, you know, you know, you look at, you look around in the housing areas and, you know, what are these people doing, you know, they're not doing, you know, much, they, they, they're all low, you know, the menial jobs, you know, and so I didn't think I was, I, th I thought I was, that's what was meant to me, for me, you know, I mean, didn't know, I didn't know the world outside, you know, I saw the rich, you know, the Punahou, but, you know, Hey, they were born in that, you know, and that's why I looked at it, you know, and I could, I never thought I could, you know, amount too much. And I thought I was going to be, you know, a cannery worker. That's what I thought I was going to be. That, that was my, my, my goal, or not my goal, but my, my destiny. And I found out that, you know, they, they kept on telling me, you can be what you want to be. You know, if you work hard enough, you know, you can. I believe that they've, they've really helped me in, in a lot of values with a lot of people saying the same thing. They all had this, basically the same values. They, they always, you know, try to kept on, kept harping on me about these values and, you know, that I can do it, that um, I'm smart enough, that uh, I'm good enough, you know, and I have the ability. And they kept on doing that, no matter what I did over there. And I, and I think that the same thing with the rest of the people we had, you know, you know, they, they, they gave us the competition, they gave us the, 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 the knowledge, they gave us the opportunity to, to, um, to do the best that we can. And, you know, if, if we didn't do it, it's nobody's fault but ours, you know. But they didn't let us down, you know. If we fell down, they didn't step on us and say, you know, you're not good. They kept on picking us up and saying, you know, you can do it, you can do it, you know. And, uh, and and I think you know those kind of values. I think you know, you know, because everybody makes mistakes, and we all make mistakes. And sometimes we you know we pay dearly for it, and other times it's a minor mistakes, but we still learn from it. Though. And I was like nobody else, and it's like anybody else. I made mistakes, mm -hmm. and I you know and I paid for it, and I learned from it, and 
and hopefully I'm a better person for it. Athletics and education remained key parts of Don Snyder's life. He went on to graduate from McKinley High and join the Navy, then graduated from the University of San Francisco. He wound up playing professional basketball in Europe before coming back to Hawaii in 1970 as a teacher and coach. He eventually became athletic director at Lahaina Luna School on Maui. We've been hearing a lot about the impact of Palama Settlement on the people who grew up using the services there. But so much of the story is also about the folks who worked there. People like Erlene Pico. She was born in Encino, California in 1931 and studied at UCLA, earning her undergraduate and master's degrees and working towards a doctorate in educational psychology. She came to Hawaii as a single mom with two children and started working at Palama Settlement in 1963. She developed the Pakolea program, which uses sports to create incentives for learning. She started her interview talking about what it was like working as a kind of an outsider, at least when she started. You're Holly, and you were asked <laughs> to work at Palama Settlement and live at Palama Settlement. Now, how was it for you? Because of your being Holly and the client population being non-Holly, I learned real quickly, the people really taught me that, that um, they weren't going to like me. Mm. Well, you know, they, they weren't going to come up and want to be friends with me. They might come up if they thought I had something they wanted to come up, yeah? But they weren't going to want me to be their friend. They weren't going to trust me because I'm sure they thought I didn't understand anything about their life. And so I can't, I have to accept them where they were. But with me, I had the right, the obligation, and the chance to learn about them. So if I could learn where they were, then we could, we could communicate. And I learned later through the years you have to work harder if you have a white skin. I was very sensitive mm -hmm. to the neighborhood, to their feelings. Not that they were right, but that was their feelings. It didn't matter. Working the same way, hard as you can, the guy with the browner skin tones will be successful within six months. The guy with the white skin, working as hard as he can, just a skill, if he sticks to the job, and an awful lot of them didn't, okay, uh, it would take him two years at least for anybody to trust him. How did they get the feeling that way? Because they had years of experience that validated those thoughts, okay? The thing was, had I gone in and ex expected to be liked, to be trusted, to be wanted, I would have quit because it would have broken my heart. But I recognize, you know, I'm, I'm foreign material. This is this is weird as you can get. Uh, the little kids, of course, were the easiest ones. The little kids, the smaller, the hardest were the adults, but the adolescents were the hardest to deal with because they were overt and rebellious and angry. I was never afraid. I never locked my door. Uh, I think was the only howly howly mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. uh, a 16 block area, you know, mm -hmm. and everybody knew me. Mm -hmm. 
And every and they didn't know my name. They knew what I was. I was this how they, they called me the white haired lady that lived down there, right? Okay. I never walked and went around in places where I had no business to be. I felt more threatened in Hawaii Kai than I ever felt threatened in Paloma. Not just a matter of feeling comfortable with physical safety at the settlement, but also the psychological safety, another theme that resonates across the experiences of many. A more recent story comes from Fituina Tua, born in American Samoa in 1956. He moved with his family to Honolulu at the age of two and into the Mayor Wright homes with his parents and his seven siblings. He described growing up in tough conditions, including some scrapes with authority. When I was uh, sixth grade, I had a little, I had began to get in trouble. Probably my delinquency years began. And then went to Dole Intermediate and really struggled life. And part of it was a peer pressure. The changes began and uh, involvement with the family court and as a delinquency and hanging around with the wrong kids was, was pretty common. I struggled and never really went to school. I ended up uh, flunking out. It was my cousin that said, you know, took me under his wing and said, i to keep an eye on you now so you come with me go football practice. So I'd carry his uniform, we'd walk from Kempo Housing all the way to Kalakaua, where Kalakaua School is now. And I would watch him practice, just watch him practice, and I was their water boy and all that, and watch him practice. And then took an interest in it, right? We played Paloma. Well, I saw John Sharp there, you know, I said, oh, I want to play for that guy. Because he had a real good team. And that that's how I became involved with Paloma Sentiment. It was, it was at my eighth grade year. The sporting event gave you an interest, and then the crowd that you hung out with was different. You no longer became involved with that other crowd. And you, know, you hung out with the, the kids that were pretty good kids. You know, they had some trouble, but they were pretty decent kids. I loved it. I loved the program because at first there was a little fear because school wasn't, you couldn't just play you had to participate in the academics as well. Um, but it was like their program was so structured and they had things there and opportunities there that I've never experienced at home. I'll never forget um, this lady, Earlene Chambers, now is Pico. She was a very big influence along with John Shop. I played football for John Shop two years, going to the mainland, going to the neighbor island, and becoming champions and that type of thing. And then I left, went on to St. Louis. Did you get a scholarship to go to St. Louis? They call it um, need, financial need, or aid, right? Uh, the coaches came around, you know, we went up there, took the test. Palmer Prep prepared me for, uh, you know, that, that kind of competition that kind of changes because you're going from a public school to a private school, right? Totally different, totally different. And uh, I mean, I was doing general math, going to algebra, right? And it was just blew my mind away. So again, I had to dig uh, deep into my, you know, my struggles and, and uh, my strength and say, do it, do it. After graduating from St. Louis, he got a bachelor's degree from San Jose State and a master's at the University of Massachusetts. 
He came back to the islands in the early 1990s and became a probation officer in the U.S. District Court system. That idea of digging deep into strengths, an attitude that Palama Settlement clearly instilled in many, many people over the years. This project is a partnership of the Center for Oral History at the University of Hawaii, the Hawaii Council for the Humanities, and Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Bill Dorman. Thank you.